Hello and welcome to another episode of Raven Conversations, the show where we bring you news and information from across the Washington National Guard and the Washington Military Department. I'm Jason Kreiss. For this episode, we're doing something a little different. Today I hand the podcast over to Command Sergeant Major Dana Trakel as she leads a panel discussion about Women's Equality Day with several trailblazing female leaders in our organization. Women's Equality Day celebrates the passage of the 19th Amendment in 1920, which granted women the right to vote. Sergeant Major Trakel is joined by five other women who have accomplished many firsts in their years of service, one of which is just getting started, and she already became the first woman in the Washington National Guard to earn the coveted Sapper Tab for combat engineers. They talk about leadership, mentors, and just general topics about being women in the profession of arms. So enjoy the conversation. Welcome. We are here today um, to talk about Women's Equality Day. I'm Sergeant Major Trakel, and I'm going to paraphrase an article from Forbes magazine titled Why Women's Equality Day is So Important. Um, it's written by Shelley Zalas. But basically, Women's Equality Day is tomorrow, August 26th. Um, it celebrates the passage of the 19th Amendment, which granted women the right to vote on August 26, 1920. This amendment was passed because women and men banded together to activate change. As women who work in an environment designed by and for men originally, it's important that we continue to come together, um, both women and men, and discuss challenges as we go forward in this endeavor. It's important to tell our stories and make them visible for the force. We as female soldiers have done some remarkable things and often our stories are left out. We need to be more visible to the next generation so we can inspire them to lead and take on leadership roles. So today, we're going to celebrate the women who came before us and the women with us today who are reimagining the rules and rewriting the new path. We are all family, friends, colleagues, influencers, mothers, sisters, and leaders. We are women who are using our voice, our actions, to reimage the workplace and creating a new culture even if that is not a goal we have verbalized out loud, when we are out front, people are watching us. So let's go around the room and introduce ourselves. Please tell us some of the first that you've accomplished as a woman in the military. So I will start as your host. I'm Command Sergeant Major Dana Trakel. Um, I'm the first female battalion Command Sergeant Major for the aviation community in Washington National Guard. Prior to this, I was part of the first all-female command team in an aviation assault company. Major Becca Martinazzi was the company commander, and I was the first sergeant at the time. It, it was a great job. First sergeant, was a, it was a very fun job. I really liked that one. Um, one of my favorite experiences in my career to date was being a first sergeant. So I grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, small town. Um, I am the third child of four. Uh, all four of my siblings were military. My parents weren't. Um, both my parents worked. I joined the military after college because I owed $3,000 in student loans, and that was a lot of money. <laughs> um, so I came in after college. I was older when I joined. Um, I wanted to use the student loan repayment plan, and I did. I paid off my college debt. Um, I'm married to a retiree from active duty. Um, I have four children. Two of my children are also in the military, and they're actually in my battalion, which I never expected that to happen. Um, so. 
just so you know, I told a lot of stories before they came in. They didn't think they would ever come in, and now people know too much. And then I have two grandchildren. So that's uh, quick down and dirty hmm. for me. And I'll go to my left <laughs> to <laughs> Miss Teresa Burgess, retired CW5 Teresa Burgess. Yep. Retired in 2018, aviation CW5. Uh, joined right out of high school, so did 36 years. Um, I was the first CW5 for the state of Washington, and I think I might have been the only, I was the only aviation W5 in the National Guard at the time. Um, probably my best first is I was Air Mission Commander for what we believe was the first all-female UH-60 combat mission in Iraq in 2007, Christmas Day. So that's probably my best first. Um, I have two children, and I am married to a retired warrant officer as well. And I was the second command chief warrant officer for the state. Next. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I am a um, Chief Master Sergeant Jenny Bellarose uh, from the 194th Wing. Um, I joined the military early on when I was in, you know, 18 years old in high school. Um, I'm a military brat, and part of the reason why I joined the service was because I wanted to follow my father's footsteps. And the opportunity came to join the um, Army National Guard, so my first 10 years of the Guard was with the Army, and then um, had the opportunity to jump to the air side, which was absolutely phenomenal. Finished my last 20 years in the Air Guard. Um, I was the first female wing command chief for the 194th wing. Um, it was an exceptional um, position. I absolutely enjoyed every single moment of that. But I was also the first enlisted member to be the military personnel officer and the A1 for the, for the Air National Guard as well. Um, in my personal life, I have two wonderful children that are, that are grown and off doing wonderful things in their world um, and two puppies that I love spending time with. All right, good afternoon, ladies. My name is Major Samantha Deming. I am currently in the 81st Striker Brigade Combat Team. Um, so I enlisted originally in California National Guard in 2009. Um, but when I moved up to Washington, I joined the Washington National Guard, and then quickly thereafter went to OCS. So commissioned in 2012. Um, my no most notable first would be being a troop commander and Alpha Troop 1st and 303rd Cav. So that was in 2017. Still to date, my favorite position. Um, another first, I guess, would be my most recent endeavor and journey at Ranger School. So becoming the first Washington Guardsman, or female, to become tabbed. Um, I'm also the 110th in the Army across the board. As far as children, no kids yet, but hopefully that's here in the future. Um, but I'm just glad to be here. and surrounded by all these women so happy to be here good afternoon I'm Colonel Kristen Durda I am an LG officer and uh, also branch qualified in AG and um, information operations I am the first female J3 for our state which is the current assignment I'm in and I've had actually throughout my career several firsts I just hadn't really thought about it until this question was posed to me um, I was the first S3 and executive officer for the 56th Theater Information Operations Group. I was the first 181 Brigade Support Battalion Commander. 
I was the first um, HHC commander in 898 Engineer Battalion. I was their first S4, and um, I was also the first female battle captain in Joint Base, or in a Balad Air Base, as um, the Joint Defense Operations Center battle captain. So um, throughout my career, I, I've accomplished a lot of firsts. I just hadn't really, you know, pinpointed which one was most most memorable or notable. I would tell you all of them have been mem memorable for me and rewarding. I grew up in the state of Washington. I am the oldest of two daughters. Um, the biggest influencer in my life is my mother, who was um, a leader in the mortgage industry. I am married to another service member who's also AGR full-time, and um, it's an interesting balance trying to um, raise children and both of us serving. We have three children, uh, boy, girl, boy, um, 16, 14, and 10, so they're still growing. We have a driver in the house, though, so that's pretty exciting. It helps take the pressure off. Um, and then lastly, I joined because I was trying to go to college and I'm the first in my family to get a college degree. I enlisted previously and used my Montgomery GI Bill and then went through the OCS program and um, now I have a master in strategic studies so I went beyond even what I thought was possible. Good job. Good, job. Uh, good afternoon, I am Specialist Lillian Clark and I, a little bit about me, I joined when I was 17 2019 uh, and I joined because I was like this is gonna be fun and it's gonna push me that was really the reason I didn't know any benefits or any of that which now is pretty cool I'm going to be uh, doing school to become a software engineer this fall with all the benefits and recently I graduated the software leader course and I was the youngest female to do so at 19 and I was the first enlisted in the guard, Washington Guard to get it, which is also very cool for me. And I was the eighth enlisted overall to get the tab, um, female-wise. And uh, I didn't realize how much, how little have went through it. So it was very awesome to hear that when I did graduate. Uh, I have a very good support system. My mother and my family, I'm the oldest of four. None of them do anything military-wise, so this was definitely something different, and they helped out as much as they could with supporting, and it's very sweet of them. And um, I that's pretty much all about me. I am 20 now, and I'm looking to go to ranger school next summer. Nice, nice. Okay, thank you for all the introductions. So we have a mix. We've got some retirees, we've got air, we've got army, and we've got the next generation for sure, right? Um, so I think it's interesting to hear a lot of your stories because um, I think I know Colonel Durda. I did, there's a lot that you disclosed that I didn't know. Um, Jen, um, from the air side, I didn't know you were army prior to coming in. That's great. Um, I know Miss Burgess very well. <laughs> she kind of <laughs> raised me in the AGR world. Um, and my husband is a combat engineer, sapper tapped as well, but he's a retiree, so that's awesome. Um, so some of the things I want us to talk about. Um, 
we all come up differently and we all have different mentors. I know that I think it was when I came to Washington State. Um, this is my this is my fifth state because my husband was active duty, so I followed his career um, the f last ten years of his career. Um, but I think I was here probably as the E five before I was the E four with twelve years in the guard. Um, in this state was the first time I had females in the formation with me because prior to this state I was signal and so I was almost always the only female um, in a signal company um, and so that's 10 years of me going to the field um, in like a line company which is not like aviation is <laughs> a whole different thing um, where um, I was the only female and so when I look back now as the commands are major when we go to the field there's a lot of things that I ask them to prep for like if we have nursing moms we take we take a tent and we provide a pump station basically so if in dry ice or so that they can come home and store or at the unit the the milk these are things we would have never talked about growing up um, just field supplies you know I had to make sure that I had all my necessary stuff for the field because I couldn't go ask my platoon sergeant or my squad sergeant you know our squad leader say hey do you have a something to help right so these are things um, when we talk about your generation um, coming up specialist Clark what are some of the well what what unit are you in you're in a 898 yes. so um, how many females are in your company um, we have about eight right now okay that's great yeah. that's a good number yeah we do have a lot and so um, do you have any section sergeants or platoon sergeants that are females? Uh, no. No, not yet? Not yet. You'll get there. <laughs> You'll get there. So um, have you gone to the field with them yet? Uh, with the females? With, with your company? Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, I was in uh, one-year rotation in Poland. So we definitely oh, you just came back? Field, yeah. Oh, see, that's good. So these are all things. We just all have different challenges. Um, and so I want us to talk about that. Um, it took, I was AGR. Mm, probably almost 10 years before I deployed, right? And in the um, AGR world, you don't get a lot of mentorship sometimes on how to do your job. Um, and so honestly, sorry, but Miss Burgess is one of, Teresa is one of my mentors because after, I don't know, four or five years in the AGR world, I fell under Teresa for um, responsibility for learning readiness position. And uh, she was, that was the first time I had a female as a supervisor and so that was different and then um, she actually took the time to train and a lot of times we just fall into the job and it's like hey figure this out learn it and so um, I learned a lot from Miss Burgess one of the funny stories I'd like to share is I remember one time she came in and she had this notebook and it was it had all a bunch of scribbles in it and she was like decipher this basically and I was like what is this and she's like oh well when I can't sleep at night I roll over and I make notes to myself for work the next day so my brain settles and I remember thinking I was probably at E6 at the time I remember, th I remember saying something like well you're kind of crazy you need to take a break I sleep just fine well Sergeant Major Trakel now rolls over and sends herself text messages in the middle of the night to silence my brain so I think that's funny um, in how you grow not only in responsibility but stress right and so that's a big part of this 
anybody else want to share who like maybe they had a mentor and it doesn't have to be a military member a mentor mm -hmm. like I don't know who your guys' mentors are growing up when I was a specialist here just moving to Washington's uh, Sergeant Major Shalitha Quillen definitely okay. took me under her wing I worked for her full-time on ADOS at CFMO um, this was right when I got to the state so she really introduced me into the Washington National Guard and as a strong female personality okay. I really <laughs> I really just fell under her so she was like, probably my first mentor here in the state um, and obviously she was my first salute once I oh. uh, commissioned so she's definitely you know even though she's retired now but she definitely groomed me in those early years which I'm, I'm very thankful for because she's an extremely strong <laughs> woman to look up to and I literally look up to her anyways because I'm very short in comparison to her. <laughs> oh, but, yes, uh, we all are. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can say that she just a lot of, it was, you know, professional side, sure, but just personally, I think I, I learned a lot from her growing up. Yeah, yeah I have to say um, somebody who was extremely influential for me, too, was, and you may, you may know her, um, Command Chief Master Sergeant Trish Almond. Um, I was a... E4 when I came into the Air Guard and she was stationed out at Watts and she was the first person to take me under her wing. Um, phenomenal leader. I love the fact that when you look to her for that advice and that mentorship, it's truth, it's authentic, and she tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, right? Um, but it's done in a very caring, compassionate fashion and you know, I try to emulate that as I grew up within the ranks too because I think it's important that we recognize while truth is important, it needs to be delivered in a fashion that people can understand mm -hmm. and appreciate that feedback. So I would have to say Trish is, even still today, we're great friends, um, and I still look to her for lots of comfort and advice. Mm -hmm. You know, well, I didn't, I don't think I had any formal mentors, and I don't know if the two of you, if your mentors were formal, informal. You know, um, there are mentorship programs out there, but I don't think that it needs to be a formal thing. And it's just, and it doesn't have to be like a male, female, it doesn't have to be your branch, it does not have to be your cohort. Uh, just being observant, noticing people around you, how they hold themselves, how they put themselves out there, how they interact with people, how they are professionally, um, even personally. Is, is more of what I picked up on. Growing up through the Army, I, there weren't any females. I mean, you know, it, not many anyways. And so that's how I probably got my mentorship. And I would encourage anybody to don't wait for somebody to come to you to say, I want to be a mentor, I want to talk to you, I want to do things. Observe, notice how, like what I just said, how people carry themselves, how they handle situations. Uh, what's working what's not working and and if there is someone that you you are drawn to or really like the way they do things maybe you approach them don't wait for them to come to you um, it's your career and they say it's always in your hands it, it really is and uh, to that aspect and you know do what you need to do to to Get yourself out there and find the people that you can connect with. Don't wait for them to come to you. So I was going to echo the same thing Teresa said. Um, there weren't a whole lot of 
females before me that I could have reached out to. They might have been out there as 06s um, on the twilight of their career, stepping out by the time I was coming up. So it wasn't necessarily a, a female mentor that I had. Um, just like Teresa said, I looked at how people conducted themselves and said I want to emulate that. And then as I started to grow in my career, um, and opportunities were presented to me, I did reach out and ask for support from, you know, certain officers, asked how mm -hmm. to be better as an officer, um, and, you know, what my opportunities were before me and how to get those opportunities and achieve, you know, beyond what I thought possible when I first enlisted into the mm -hmm. Army. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, I know that I seek I have always sought out people. Um, Q was one of my mentors, along with Star Major West. Um, kind of saved my butt the year um, the battalion deployed the first time, and I was the rear debt um, and didn't know orders or anything because I was new in the system and helped me understand money and orders and all that. Um, in in absence, I have gone out lots of times. Um, Star Major Hagemeyer has been very helpful. Huckabee, um, and so I'm really aware of my strengths and my weaknesses. And so a lot of times I seek out people who are not similar to me, but opposite of me of the stuff that I need to learn to emulate and bring in. So um, I know in the military, we think this line formation, like you can't go above the squad or you can't go above the platoon or the company or the battalion. And I would encourage you, just like they said, look out and see and then seek out those people. You don't have to stay in the confines of just your squad because what you want to be can be somewhere else. And so you, you've got to advocate for yourself. That's for sure. Well, it just goes to add, too, that people are always watching you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether it's following a checklist correctly in the cockpit <laughs> or someone is watching you brief or how you carry yourself across the quad, people are always watching you and observing and will emulate or pick up on those things, good and bad. I'd also like to add, um, mentorship doesn't have to be someone senior to you. Oh. I've had some of my best yep. mentors from the mm -hmm. NCO Corps, okay. and I would seek them out, out and ask them advice often. So just because I'm an officer doesn't mean I need to look to another officer for advice. I, in fact, it's to this day, I seek out Sergeant Major Ecclestone sometimes to figure out, you know, what I should do in a situation. So um, don't discount and, you know, look to your peers too. Sometimes your peers are, are you know, other mentor opportunities. Well, even on the civilian side. With the Guard, it's, it's great. We have civilian, so much experience on the outside, and they bring them in. And, it, you know, there was a pharmacist who was an E4. You know, how much experience do they have out in the community and on leadership and, and stuff like that? It doesn't have to be within the military community and, and bring it into all aspects of your life. Yeah, some of my greatest lessons were from lower enlisted. Mm -hmm. Like, I think most of my leadership skills that I developed through the years mm -hmm. came from, from them, you know, not from the classes that we sit in. While those are all really important, um, it's those experiences interacting with folks. So um, I would say there's, while we have maybe one or two people that stick in your mind, I think everybody is a mentor. They just don't realize it. You know, you learn something good and bad from everyone. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's important too when you talk about um, 
what how we learn i think failures are good as well like we want to i want to mitigate my failures and my soldiers failures but you learn through failure i don't i don't ever want to create an environment where it's a no fail situation because i i don't I don't think that's healthy in any fashion and uh sometimes you don't see it in the beginning that but that failure was a blessing and how we define it um, is one thing, but you might not realize it till later that it was the blessing. So um, I know that when I moved, I was switched to the JSS, the Joint Services Support in 2012 from aviation. And I was like, I saw it in that fashion as, I didn't see it as a career broadening positive. I was like, oh, I'm being put to pasture, right? Um, and I spent five years at the JSS, but I will tell you those five years, I networked jointly um, and with civilians. Um, I learned so many connections now that have prepped me to be a really good command sergeant major or an ops sergeant major because I have resources. I can help my soldiers. I can help my soldiers all day long um, because of those five years. Um, and so I would tell you to look at a challenge, not look at it as, you could say failure, but if we want to soften the word, sometimes what you want doesn't happen and it's okay. Just walk through the uncomfortable, take the challenge and make it your own um, because it all shapes us for what we're supposed to do mm -hmm. in the future is, is my thought process. Well, there's oftentimes as a warrant officer, people come to you and ask for courses of action, okay? I'll give you courses of action pros and cons of each and a lot of times they don't take them you know that's great but you know what if they fail if it doesn't work out right that's great I'll let them run with it as long as it's safe and it's not against the law run with it because you know what we're all there to support each other and to pick each other up and learn from each other so you know as a warrant officer I, I never took offense if no one took my course of action or whatever that's why you give three or four but if it doesn't work out, again, that's how you learn. And you move on, and I learn from other people's failures as well. Again, observing and, and, and just always learn and always move forward. Even with 35 years in, I was still learning and figuring things out. As sad as that, it almost seems sad because I kept thinking, oh, I can't wait till I, you know, I'm up here. I can't make any more mistakes. I can, you know, I'll know everything. No, it doesn't work that way. If so. anything, our mistakes are louder now. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was really hesitant about going to ranger school so late in the game, right? Right. I was publicly putting myself out there for failure, and lo and behold, I did fail. Yep. And it was the greatest teaching lesson because I think most of my successes, I was at risk of highest failure rates too, right? But you right. have to put yourself out there mm -hmm. um, and take that risk and just accept that whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And if, as long as you continue pushing through whatever challenge you face, then I think you'll be more successful in the end. But I think all too often we're all afraid of that failure. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, I can say now, like looking back on Ranger School, I was extremely embarrassed when I first, you know, had to get recycled and failed this or that. But in the end, I mean, I, I can joke about it now and say, yeah, it took me a little longer. I had a little bit of a vacation, a ranger vacation, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I still have the tab. So um, just anyone out there, I think the biggest successes are usually paired with like the most risk of failure, but that's all part of it. 
I definitely agree. So when I was going to Sapper School, I came in uh, 18, like right out of basic, and they're like, all right, you're going to Poland. So when I came to the unit, I had like one drill, and it was preparing to go to Poland. And I introduced myself. I'm like, hey, I'm Private Clark. I'm going to go to Ranger School, Sapper, Mountain. Like I just <laughs> went <laughs> off and listed all the schools. And they're like, who is this chick? And from there, I just was like, when we went to Poland, I did every opportunity, Norwegian Rock, Combatives, like anything you can think of. I was like, yes, yes. Like I was yes man for that. And they all knew that I was like wanting to do everything. So they definitely, especially, we do have a larger amount of females, but in Poland, we didn't have many, so I knew that all eyes were on me, and they are like, all right, so compete for this sapper spot, and I was like, oh my, <laughs> everyone's looking at me because I've been talking so much, so I gave it my all, I got that spot, and then when I was there, I definitely, I was, it's mostly the fear, is because I had um, someone else from my unit come with me, and we had no one else in my platoon that had a tab and I was a female and every time I'd be like hey good luck like I can't do that from the males like that's what I would get and I'm like okay thank you I'm gonna use that <laughs> for my motivation is what I did but it was still that fear kind of got to me and I was like if I fail like this is not gonna be good and it just had that fear and I was like maybe I shouldn't go like maybe they are right because I am a female I am younger I have had no time in the army like I barely know anything but I think it's the fear that stops a lot of people and you just really have to push through it and that's what I definitely learned I was able to get straight through so <laughs> that's just it you, you you didn't know that you shouldn't be able to do it yeah you yeah. let them influence your, your mm -hmm. conversation and and I had that too early yeah. on I went to flight school in 84 and uh, <laughs> and she was high school to flight school so okay. so I was 18 years old in flight school when mm -hmm. most of the people that go to flight school are NCOs and above and mm -hmm. you know a couple of first sergeants and E7s who thought they were God you know oh, and yeah. so and I didn't know better so sometimes ignorance is bliss yeah and I mean, I had instructors tell me women don't belong in army aviation, but yep. that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you move on, you let brush over you, yep. and you keep moving on. And you did a great job, I'm proud you. of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. I, I've said this in the past and I've been challenged on this thought process, but because there's not so many of us in the force and depending on what we're going up against, mm -hmm. a lot of times when you walk into the room, there's always that competition. And I want us to be competitive, don't get me wrong. I think everyone in here is type A for a reason, right? Um, and I wanna compete, but when I walk into the room, if it's just me and all the men, then it's me against the men. If there's me and another female and all the men, now there's two competitions. It's me against them and then who's the best of the two. And um, people don't want to acknowledge that sometimes, but it's real. It's never, oh, those two are the best. Those top, those females right there are the top two. It's which one's the best of the females, and then where are they going to compete against everybody else, right? And so 100%, um, I encourage competition, and I want it. But Clark, if you beat me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shake your hand and help you up. I might trip you a little bit. But I want you to beat me, and I, but I don't want your generation to grow up with the thought process of it, it is me against you and we can't be friends and we can't support each other because that was definitely something that I dealt with. It, it was, uh, you had to be careful <laughs> amongst our own and who you could trust and not trust because we had to be, we were raised to be competed against each other. Then be competitive, just don't be hateful. Yeah, so. 
I think that's important going forward. Um, do you guys see yourself as leaders? <laughs> I love that, the look with that. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest thing for me to learn was, like you said, Chief, that everyone's always watching. So I try to think that I'm a leader, but I'm also just trying to you know, do my job, put my head down and do the work. But I, as I've grown up, I had to realize that I need to kind of pause and take a look around and actually reach down to be a mentor to people because because I may not have had people there for me I always am kind of like I'm alone in this game but we're not so I think that's like an important thing to recognize Mm -hmm. Um, and especially my goal especially when I transferred to the armor branch is I want to be a leader that male soldiers want to look up to I want it to be not about gender anymore because it shouldn't be right gender integration was 2020 that whole initiative yep we I mean, I feel like we shouldn't be talking about it anymore, but it's still a slow roll throughout the Army, including the active duty component. So I think as we continue on, I just want to continue pushing everyone. Yep. Um, and females, like you said, we shouldn't be pitted against each other, but really just trying to be better better leaders, better soldiers across mm-hmm. the board. No, I agree. Um, I just had a conversation with the first sergeant, I'll say in the last 18 months. Um, and the first sergeant came to me excited because they had gone up and they did the, um, it might have been a little bit longer, but they went up to Seattle and they did the riot control, right? And um, those soldiers who were on the front line, they had a lot of stuff said to them, especially soldiers of color had a lot of stuff said to them online. And um, this first sergeant came back and um, was talking to me and was like, hey, I want you to know that um, I had this one soldier, female of color, and she just wasn't doing really good, and I recognized it, and I pulled her. I pulled her from the line, and I said, okay, and why did you pull her from the line? And he's like, well, they just were really targeting her. And I said, so what about all the soldiers she was standing next to? And uh, were any of them of color, were they targeting them? And his response was, yeah, well, yeah, everybody was getting it, but this was like her third drill, she was new. And I said, okay, let's pause for a second because you sound like her dad. And I said, so if you're telling me that you removed her for behavioral health, that's great, but did you do a behavioral health assessment on all your soldiers? Because what you just did, especially if she's new, you just set the tone for her going forward. You just showed everybody on there that she's weak and you pulled her because she's female and she was being targeted. And I said, so my my statement to you is you need to assess all your soldiers and I appreciate what you're doing but you're trying to protect her but what you're really doing is you're pushing her behind you're sending her back and so that's why it's important for us to have these conversations amongst us and amongst men and women because we have different thought process and we have a different lens because we've been there and we've experienced it right and so it kind of blew it he had never seen it that way and he really thought he was doing a good thing and he was but he wasn't, right, from the military's perspective. So th- these are lessons learned that I think it's important for us to share and talk about going forward. So um, what is something that you would like to tell the generation behind you? You're pretty new, but there's still people behind you. I mean, Clark, you're setting the trend. You just hit that sapper tab. So anybody have anything that you would like to talk, you know, just little stuff? I think basically, you know, always be learning, learn your job, learn about leadership, learn about the Army, the, the, the Air Force, the military, uh, learn about your people, um, 
and just keep moving forward. Get a seat at the table, um, whether it's, you know, for your job or, or for whatever. Get your voice heard, but always improve yourself. Do what you can do to move forward, no matter what roadblocks might be thrown in front of you. Do what you can do, no excuses, no reasons, move forward. So I'd like to go back to um, a comment that was made about um, you know, folks that doubted your ability to be where you're at. All of you have said something about that today, and I've experienced it myself. Um, I think it's important that we give grace to those who doubt us. And I think all of us who are senior, who've made it to this position that we're at sitting at the table today, have done that resiliency moving past it and then giving grace forgiving them for the thoughts that have crossed their minds the doubts that they've posed to all of us I think that's really what's um, helped me succeed in my career because those who did doubt me um, throughout my career they became my friends I was in Balad in 2004 and I was the battle captain and I rolled in as a lo logistician and I came a couple weeks late because I was the brigade S4 um, helping in Kuwait get us into theater. And um, when I got into Balad and said, I'm the new battle captain, my buddy who was doing that role and had gone through 82nd's Riptoa um, <laughs> said, there's no way. Why would a female logistician be a battle captain? That's that's ridiculous. Um, it took me time to prove that I was worthy of the position. I worked really hard um, and of course I convinced him and we're best friends but um, I had to move past it. If I'd held a grudge, which sometimes we do, mm -hmm. um, it would have darkened my path before me but instead because I gave grace to him and those who've doubted me, you know, in my career, throughout my career, I've been in it for 30 years now. So um, it's definitely something that I think we all, as as females, need to to remember. Otherwise, I've seen others before me um, who struggle with that, and they begrudge the men, and that doesn't help them in their career. It really puts a dark cloud over them, and they can't move forward. And really, I all I try to do is just be a team player. That's all that I'm here for. I try to complement anything I can complement with regard to the mission. And so I think that's really important for us. Being a trailblazer is amazing. I'm so proud of both of you for being the first tabs. Um, that is amazing. I didn't want that in my career. I. You know, if I had, I probably, you know, would have tried to figure it out. I'm way too old right now, though. But um, trailblazing is really important, and I think that um, as as you continue to trailblaze, just remember people are always watching you, um, and so be graceful when you're contending with the the you know the doubts and the folks that tell you no, and just like you said, and we've all said it, just dig deep and keep pushing through because that's how you, you know, overcome mm -hmm. and, and move forward. For me, I think if I was to face myself when I was just in for the first five years, um, I would give a piece of advice that I had gotten um, pretty late in my career was that every day is an interview, right? And <laughs> while you can't control what happens around you, you can control how you react to that. Right, and that says way more 
um, about who you are and your character, not only as a leader within you know, the, the community, but also as an individual. And I think you know, the more that you can focus on what your true core values are as a leader and as a person and exude that in everything that you do, um, helps you overcome those challenges. Because like everyone else in this room, I've had my naysayers, but those naysayers don't define how I act, mm -hmm. right? So for me, I think if I was to face myself again to say, yes, you can hear what they say, but you, don't con but you control how you react. So continue to press forward. Um, no is just a, I'm not ready yet, come back to me later, and keep driving forward, you know? Mm -hmm. Have that belief and stay true to yourself. Um, that's super important. I think that's great. Thank you for sharing that, and thank you for sharing about the grace, because I will tell you, Specialist Clark, I, I, uh, I did stuff because I thought it was going to be fun. So I wanted to do, if I would have known I could have been a pilot, I would have been a pilot. If I would have known I could have done airborne or all these other things, I would have done it because that sounds like some fun. That's how I operated. So it's important to know, I know who I am and I know my morals and values, but fun is one of my number one things, <laughs> right? And so I wasn't intent on being a trailblazer. I was intent on well, shit, they're going to go do this, and that's way funner than, I don't know if funner is a real good word, yeah. but, but that was my motivation at the time, right? Yeah. So I would encourage all of us to, um, if you want to be a trailblazer, that is great also, but you have to have um, balance in life. And so there's a lot of stress with being a trailblazer. There's a lot of stress with being a first. And if you're doing these things and that's not your mindset, you're probably going to enjoy it better. You're just, you're doing it because you like the job. You're doing it because you want the adventure. You know, um, that's what I would encourage uh, everyone to do. Don't change so much because people are watching. It's hard. I'm a goofball and I'm a CSM and I can't have as much fun with my soldiers anymore because if I pick on an E4, they don't realize that I'm just picking on them. They think, oh gosh, the Sergeant Major is... Picking on them. Picking on them, right? <laughs> it's different. I gotta try to hide it. So um, people do watch. But I, I think um, we're coming up on our timeline, um, but I think it's really important. We talked a little bit before we started um, recording about telling our stories, and that's what's important. Um, when I approach people, individuals, all of you, thank you for coming. Um, sometimes people are hesitant to want to come and do this because of the perception. Once we put it out there, um, all females talking or, you know, there's all different ways it could be, be taken. But you know what? That's okay. It is important for us to tell our stories. No, the people behind us don't know these opportunities. Um, until we share them and we show them that it is, it is reachable. And so um, I encourage you, if this is the first time that you have sat down and done something like this, continue to step into the uncomfortable. Continue to tell your story. Yes, we don't need to, you know, glamorize anything, but it, it is okay if someone asks you about it for you to, to tell your story and be proud of your story. And so don't let anyone rob you of your pride. Um, be humble, but it's okay for us to tell our story. Um, it's important to own your story and share it. 
part of mentorship is helping each other understand we all have a story and helping each other to see and define it. So it, it doesn't have to be huge. Not everyone's gonna have uh, a tab, right? But, it, but that's okay, they still have a story. Um, like, ma'am, like you said, you were the first one to be a college graduate in your family. So there's all different levels of success. Um, so we were all simple trainings of some form or another in the very beginning. So everyone starts at the beginning. Mm -hmm. We're just here to tell our stories and help them everyone be successful. Does anybody have anything that they want to close out with? Well, I just want to thank you for everything you've done to put this together mm -hmm. and the other aspects of stuff going on out there. So uh, I've learned a lot from you as well over the years. Maybe thank to you. have a little bit more fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I appreciate all, everything you've done as well. Thank you. Thank you. I think in memory of Star Major Abby West, I just had to put one more thing out there. Please. I just remember I was always afraid of the spotlight because I didn't want the perception to be that I'm just doing this to be a first. Correct. But Star Major West pulled me aside when I was taking command and she said to me, it's no longer about you. It's about the people coming behind you. It's the people that have these goals. So in so many words, she's like, stop being so selfish. It's not about you anymore. So just go do your job, do what you do, um, and just remember that. And I continue to remember that. And especially yesterday was Diversity Day. Yes. Um, so I just thought that it was important to remember her, especially. I think she all had a, a big part of our life. She did. Growing up. She did. Great so, point. Yes. Anybody else? <laughs> well, I want to thank you. I think this was really successful. I actually um, want to plan to do this either monthly or bi-monthly and just continue to talk so it's just a podcast. It's not as threatening. <laughs> and, and I'll invite different groups in. And um, if you guys have any suggestions for the next chat, um, let me know. I think that's all. Thank you. <laughs>